Hello and welcome to the Creative-ish Podcast. We're your hosts. I'm Kelly. And I'm Ariana. Welcome. If you're new around here, thank you so much for choosing this podcast today. This is a podcast all about creativity and navigating a creative life and business in your 20s. So you can expect a bunch of topics related to that. So we talk about mindset, perfectionism, business, emotional wellness, productivity, and so on. Today's episode is all about decision making and overthinking and that whole process of getting stuck in your head and getting stuck on decisions. So we're going to be talking about how to make decisions faster, more efficiently, and how to make the most of your day so that you don't feel mentally drained and mentally exhausted at the end of your day. Yeah, exactly. As you say, usually at the end of the day, a lot of creatives can feel mentally exhausted and most of the time is because we are making so many decisions throughout the day from the moment we wake up to the moment we go to sleep like decision 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 like even something as little as choosing what to have for breakfast or choosing what to wear or even how to sign off an email like it's just so much overthinking don't and- get me started on email signoffs girl <laughs> yeah and it's actually a big problem <laughs> and i read somewhere that the average human does like an average of 10,000 decisions per day which is absolutely insane it's an astronomical amount of decisions it is it is an astronomical amount of decision and it just baffles my mind and it's because we do so many little decisions throughout the day and little by little they just make us feel more tired and we just get decision fatigue And what I wanted to talk about today, first thing, is during the day when we are at our best, it's during the morning because we've just woken up, we've, you know, started the day. So our ability to make decisions is like clean. It's like a clean Mm. slate every morning. And so we need to prioritize to make the right decisions first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. And a concept I would like to introduce is this concept called eat the frog which basically means that you're doing the most important task first. Like the most important task of the day, you need to do it first. Because you're so clear-headed and you're able to make this decision and you don't feel drained yet and you just feel overall good. And I wanted to talk about this because during the morning, we usually might just get sucked into doing like busy work, Mm -hmm. like answering emails or doing like non-important tasks that just really like, start draining our decision-making ability Mm -hmm. and so that's why it's important to just right from the get-go start making like bigger tasks and the biggest thing that we need to do so that we get it out of the way and this is a term that was coined by a time management expert called brian tracy and it's loosely adapted from a quote by mark twain and the quote from mark twain is if it's your job to eat a frog it's best to do it first thing in the morning And if it's your job to eat two frogs, it's best to eat the biggest one first. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Um, It's very, it's a very like weird thing to like call it a frog. But yeah, it makes sense. At the end of the day, like 10,000 decisions later, you're not going to have the most mental energy to make those big decisions or have the creative energy to come up with great ideas. So that's why our mornings are like sacred. You need to really prioritize your mornings for the stuff that really matters to you and not giving away your mornings to other people 
for mm-hmm. other people to invade your mornings with like meetings and stuff like that, mm-hmm. answering emails. That all can be done past 11, I believe. Yeah, exactly. Like when you eat the frog, it's like you're just ensuring that all the essential stuff that needs to get done gets done mm-hmm. and that you're moving forward in that project or in that goal or anything that you want to do. And it just brings such a sense of fulfillment. Yeah. And it helps in so many ways. Like, for example, with your procrastination, like if you're a procrastinator and you decide, okay, first thing each morning, I'm going to do the thing that brings me closer to my goal. Then you're not letting that task that's hanging over your head, leave it for like after lunch or for tomorrow or for the next week. And this is something that we're all guilty of. So when you just do that task first thing in the morning, it's like, okay, it's off your plate and you've one point for you and zero points for procrastination. And another thing it helps as well is that it minimizes multitasking. So when you're doing like this little task and, you know, all these like busy work, it's like you're just switching between projects and tasks and you're doing like a bunch of stuff at once. But when you do this big project or this big task that is actually moving you forward, you make progress on that thing. Mm -hmm. You're not like switching in and it's you're able to reach deep work when you're doing that. Another thing eating the frog can actually help you with like doing the biggest tasks first thing in the morning is that it provides a lot of momentum. Like, as I said, it's so fulfilling, like getting the hardest thing done off your plate in the morning or before lunch. Mm -hmm. And it's like the rest of the tasks throughout the day just become so much easier to do. And it's better to do the smaller tasks and that busy work after you do like the big thing because your decision-making abilities and all of that is like minimizing. And so it's like on par with the type of task that Mm -hmm. you're doing throughout the day. So it just snowballs into effect and you're able to be more productive. (laughs) Yeah. It's the long-term game. If you start doing little things in the morning that are not that important, you just don't feel that sense of... Like, you're confused as in, like, at the end of the day, like, what did I even do today? Like, Mm -hmm. that happens a lot. And I was actually listening to a podcast recently that was talking about how to create momentum. And this lady was talking about how when she has to do a certain output-related activity, for example, like writing, she decides what would be the lowest output what would be the most like medium output and what would be the highest output for this activity. And sometimes you just have to like trick yourself into thinking like, I'm just going to start with the lowest output. Like I'm just going to write, but I'm just going to write the introduction for this essay for like five minutes. And that's how I'm going to get started. You trick your brain into thinking like, okay, I'm just going to do that. So I'm not overwhelmed with the whole essay. I'm not going to do the whole essay right now. I'm just going to do like five minutes making the introduction. And then you just, you're probably going to get momentum to keep going, but it's that getting started. It's just easier to get started that way. So that's a great tip. Exactly. When you're eating the frog, it doesn't have to be like you're doing the whole task, like the whole thing. Mm -hmm. It can be like, smaller tasks but that are related to that bigger project Mm -hmm. and that bigger goal and that is actually moving you forward the biggest decision that you have to make for your day like the most creative one leave it for your mornings Mm -hmm. now we also wanted to talk about automation and how automation can make your life easier so like we talked about 
we make so many decisions during our day. And if there's anything that you can do to like minimize the amount of decisions that are really just like they don't really matter that much, like deciding what to eat or deciding what to wear or deciding like how to sign up an email, I can spend literally 10 minutes looking up the best email sign up because, you know, I get in my head and this happens. No, it even happens to me. I continuously go to ChatGPT to ask <laughs> AI, how should I answer stuff? Yeah, and honestly, it's been great because sometimes I'm like, I don't want to answer this email in a way that sounds too aggressive or I want to be like friendly enough. And honestly, like AI has helped yeah, a lot. Especially because I feel like I have a very dry tone mm-hmm. in emails and that's not me i have a bubbly personality in real life i don't know why that doesn't translate into my writing of emails it doesn't translate at all no like i I read her emails and i'm like um who is this i'm just like very blunt like (laughs) yes like i don't add exclamation marks anything like i don't think about that i actually have to intentionally think about how to make the email nicer mm-hmm. not that you have to always be nice in emails yeah but that's another topic <laughs> but yeah emails can take up a lot of our time so a little life hack is to make email templates for everything so we have a library of email templates in notion notion with like a bunch of client situations like how we onboard our clients it's an email template how we send presentations it's an email template how we offboard um how we ask for feedback it's all in a template so we can just copy paste it and i don't have to spend any extra time thinking about that also on the topic of emails i recently saw that anna winter Her thing is that she likes to answer emails as soon as she gets them. And honestly, I think that that can be really beneficial because you get an email and you're just going to challenge yourself to answer this email in under three minutes or something like that. And it can help you not overthink the email so much Mm -hmm. because like you're challenging yourself to answer these emails as soon as you can. So that's also something that I've been trying to keep in mind, not to let emails linger on because you can also like start to overthink how am i gonna answer this so answer them as fast as you can if you can have a template and don't overthink it that much and another non-work related things that you can automate one of the things is meal prepping Mm -hmm. meal prepping is something that is super beneficial because it takes the guesswork out of choosing a meal and thinking about a meal like out of your daily routine mm-hmm. and that's something that is really beneficial for both of us because if you work from home you know you have to like cook clean and everything and it's like what do i choose to eat and it just takes so much time sometimes to choose and it, mm-hmm. it drains you a bit yeah. i'm gonna be honest um and i actually wanted to share um a story that i heard from alex hermosi and alex hermosi he when he when he was single He went, I think, one year like 500 times to Chipotle. So he would go to Chipotle five times a week and eat twice a day in Chipotle, if I'm not mistaken. And he would always order the same thing. So he didn't like that guesswork of choosing what to eat was taken out of the equation. And he just ate the same thing. It cost the same. And, you know, it was just he didn't have to think about it during the day. 
and he didn't have to think about his nutrition. Like his meals were taking taken outside of his mental load and it was crazy (laughs) and very beneficial and a lot cheaper is what he said that's a lot of chipotle wow um but yeah this is just such a smart way to live because if you meal prep you're deciding what you're gonna eat once you either decide on a sunday what your meals are going to be for the rest of the week instead of deciding three times a day for seven days those are a lot more decisions instead of just deciding so we actually recently got a meal planner it's really cute and it's like a little calendar but for your meals um so yeah it's really cool cool it's from pop here Mm -hmm. and it's so pretty and i think it's gonna really help motivate us into meal prepping again because we we've kind of been on and off a little bit inconsistent and before that we had them and we had it in notion and now that I think we have it physical, it's like a lot more fun. Yeah. <laughs> and you just add a little bit of fun in it. And another thing you can do is to simplify your wardrobe. And yeah, just choose like your go-to pieces or <laughs> maybe even wear the same thing every day. That's something <laughs> a lot of successful people do. They just wear the same thing over and over. And I've also heard this, that Matt Diavella does it. He wears like the same J. Crew t-shirt every day. Yeah. And, you know, it just takes that just like guesswork out of your day. You don't have to choose what I should wear. And I think one version of this for us is like the Everlane bubble top. The bubble top. And that's a top that we bought like two years ago in the Everlane store in New York. And we absolutely love it. And this Christmas, I also decided to order it in blue because we had it like in, in a white color. And I just wish I could buy that top in multiple different colors mm-hmm. because it's literally my go-to top it takes the guesswork out of like yeah. getting dressed you can dress it up you can dress it down it's a timeless top you can oh my god it's just the perfect top it's probably the top that looks good on me with almost anything so yeah i love it simplifying your wardrobe being intentional about the pieces that you bring onto your wardrobe so that things go together you know you have like a little theme going on i know that for some people like fashion is a self-expression and they like enjoy the whole process of making an outfit and all of that i wish that i was more like that but honestly i just i keep it simple in this period of my life i feel like in future me i imagine her to be like more of a fashion girl but right now i just don't have the time and energy to do that yeah, it takes a lot of time to actually find um, cute pieces online. Like it takes so and much get time. dressed. Yeah, I don't know. I just don't have the time for it right now. <laughs> anyway, to switch gears a little bit, I wanted to talk about analysis paralysis and how to make decisions when you either have a little bit of fear over a certain type of decision or a decision feels too big and you really don't know what to do. I'm talking about bigger decisions like deciding where to move, deciding on a career, deciding if you want to do your business, start your business, etc. Like those types of big decisions. I have done this framework that has worked so well for me and that has helped me gain a lot of clarity. It's kind of like a pros and cons list, but much more thorough and much more, you know, it will give you the answers that you need. It's basically a table with three rows and three columns. The first row is dissecting your fear. 
the second row is dissecting success. And then the third row is what would happen if you did nothing on this decision. So I'm going to go through it. So on the first row, the first column is about what you're afraid of. Let's say that you are afraid of moving. And one of your fears is that if you move to this bigger city, you're going to lose more money. So that is one of the fears. And then in the second column, the one next to that, you're going to write down how can you actually prevent that from happening? So how can you prevent losing money? And you can write down some ideas. Be creative with it and think out of the box. And then on the column after that, you're going to write, if you did lose money, how would you fix it? And how you, would you get out of that situation? For example, if you did lose money moving to a more expensive city, how would you fix that? You could either get a second job, you could either, I don't know, get a credit card or... You could move back home. You could move back home. So many ideas. Um, and then on the second row below that, it's all about dissecting the success. So on the first column, you're going to write what would be some success, like the benefit of attempt, like some benefits to moving to a bit of to a bigger city and that could be making friends making friends then on the column next to that you're going to write what would be benefit of partial success so like medium success oh i have a friend group or i can walk more it's a walkable city or i can make more money that could be like medium success and then on the third column you're going to write what would full-blown success look like for example, in this bigger city. So, you know, go all out, dream big. And what would be your ultimate best case scenario? And then on the row, on the last row, you're going to write what would happen if you didn't do anything. So on the first column, what would happen if you didn't take any action in the next six months? And then on the second column next to that, you're going to write what would happen if you didn't do anything in one year? And then on the third column, you're going to write what would happen if you didn't do anything in three years. This is just such a good reflecting exercise for you to really pull a muscle and maybe some things that you wouldn't really think of if you were just writing a pros and cons list. It really makes you look at the decision holistically and think about all the different aspects of this decision. And then you could use this chart for both of the decisions. For example, mm -hmm. if one of the decisions is staying in a smaller cheaper city and another decision is like you said moving to the city well then you would make the these columns for each of those decisions and then weigh the options to see mm -hmm. which one is better for you with which one are you more okay with the trade-offs mm -hmm. exactly with the trade-offs and i think something we can also talk about in this decision making when you're making like decisions that are a little bit bigger mm -hmm. is listening to your gut and I feel like your gut has so much wisdom and it can tell you so much at the end of the day any decision that you make will eventually be okay because even if it's not the right decision but I don't like to, talk, to say that I feel like every decision is the right decisions because mm -hmm. you will always learn and you will always grow from each decision that you make but even if it's not the right decision as I said you will learn mm -hmm. and I think this is something that is very important to me as well like listening to your gut because 
if you listen to our human design episode, which if you didn't, I highly suggest that you do. It's episode 18 with our human design coach, Sophie. When we got our charts read, my inner authority is the gut feeling. And Mm -hmm. I lead a lot with my gut feeling. And basically, like doing decisions with your gut feeling just means that whenever a decision is presented to you, how do you feel about that decision in your body? Like, does your body lean into a full body? Yes. Does your body feel icky? Like, no, I don't want to do that. Do you feel uncomfortable? So just lean into what feels good and what feels like the right decision for you. Your body will let you know, especially if your inner authority is follow your gut. So just listen to that intuition and follow your gut. Yeah, for me, I am a complete opposite. So um, my body doesn't really give me any signs for decisions. Like I don't feel it so much in my gut my human design actually is talking it out and that is how I come up with answers to decisions Mm -hmm. so I talk it out with Kel or I write it down usually writing it down makes me gives me a lot of clarity so that is how I manage Yeah, exactly that's why the Mm -hmm. the columns are so beneficial to you Mm -hmm. so again that's another thing when you're making these bigger decisions I just think what is the best way to make a decision Mm -hmm. for you yeah so look up your human design or go to our episode it's such an interesting topic um so yeah and then something that i also wanted to talk about with decision making especially like bigger decisions like that is to make decisions out of a place of joy versus out of a place of fear so for example instead of fear of missing out it can be like making decisions with a joy of missing out, for example. Because I think that sometimes we can get just like pushed and pulled by certain expectations from our family, expectations from our friends or societal pressures or expectations to be at a certain point, to be a certain type of person, to show up on a certain type of way. And that kind of like leads us to make decisions from a place of fear of missing out. So yeah, I just wanted to introduce this other alternative that is like making decisions with a joy of missing out because you know what feels true to you and you know what your path is and just kind of like being okay with saying no to certain types of things that don't align with your long-term vision. For example, drinking for us, like that's not really aligned and that's not something that we really don't really enjoy. And so we look at it like sometimes we would feel like we were missing out and we weren't being included and all of that. But the reality is that we can feel joy with missing out on those types of activities because it doesn't really make us feel good. It's not true to us and it's more worth it to indulge in activities that do make us feel good. Like we just rather do brunch or do a cute little picnic or do a little walk instead of like doing the other stuff. Yeah, when we realized this, it was like a light bulb moment because it was, you know, sometimes you do feel that like FOMO when you say parties and stuff like that. But then we realized like, oh, we don't necessarily have to be like party friends because it's something that we genuinely don't enjoy. So it was like feeling FOMO, but it, you know, it wasn't really a thing because when we were at those parties or at those 
events, we didn't enjoy being there.、Yeah. And so, in the long run, we realized that we had more joy by declining those opportunities and those experiences, those experiences and stuff like that. Because it just made us happier. Exactly. So it's actually instead of FOMO, it's JOMO, <laughs> joy of missing out. Acting from a place of joy can just help you tap into who you really are instead of moving around through life, acting based on external pressures, and you know, doing things that later on you'll possibly regret. And While I was also doing research on this, I came across this article on Nest Labs that was all about FOBO. <laughs> There's FOMO, JOBO, and FOBO. <laughs> These are all fears around decision making, and FOBO is actually fear of a better option. And this is what makes us, you know, get into that whole analysis paralysis, overthinking. Because we have a fear that we might make a decision and later on find out that there was an even better option for us.、Oh, this is such a thing for me. And there's actually like this quote that says, "Learning to choose is hard. Learning to choose well is harder. And learning to choose well in a world of unlimited possibilities is harder still, perhaps too hard." And this is a quote by Barry Schwartz. I also came across that there are two different types of people in this world, two different ways of making decisions. There are people that are maximizers, and there are people that are satisfiers. Basically, a maximizer is a person that is always trying to optimize for making the best possible decision, versus. A satisfier is a person that can be satisfied with their decisions. They make decisions faster, and they're okay with it being just good enough. So basically, the research shows that the type of people that are maximizers down the road they end up regretting their decisions more often because they are the type of people that are slower. They make decisions slower, and they. Take just a longer time researching, trying to have the most possible knowledge on a decision. Whereas, satisfiers are people that are more satisfied with their decision making because they were able to make decisions faster and learn faster and move through life faster. So, especially in your business, this is something that it is a muscle making decisions faster. It's something that. All high achievers have in common their ability to act when an idea comes. Remember that creativity does have a shelf life. So when a creative idea comes to you, it's so important that you tr- you act on it in the fastest way that you can. If it's maybe doing the minimal viable product of this idea and being satisfied with that. But just like acting on your ideas is such an important thing for you to learn faster, to move through your business and your conflicts faster as well. No, for sure. I think it's it's very important, and I think that's also something I fall into that I feel like I need to learn everything and do everything before I actually make、mm. take the action. It's a big problem. Yeah,、it's、a big problem. Yeah,、and、I feel like. It just depends on the situation,、yeah. but I feel like you are quicker to take action on certain things, and yeah, it just it, there's nuances. But definitely. I'm definitely sometimes、uh, 
a maximizer. And the reality is that you'll probably never have all of the knowledge to make the best possible decision. And sometimes it comes down to making probably the most sensible or the most logical or illogical or emotional. It like it's it's based on how you make decisions. So if you're a more logical person, act fast on that because you know that that is true to you. If you're an emotional person, make decisions that maybe are more rooted in your decisions because that will feel more authentic to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, some ways that you can also cope with like the fear of a better option. And I think of myself when I go to a restaurant and I legit am the slowest person to order because I read the menu from top to bottom. I analyze every single option and it probably takes me like 20 minutes to decide what I want to eat. And that's just not a good way. <laughs> it's very embarrassing it's, when the waitress comes like three times and it's like, you still don't know what to order. <laughs> so yeah, a way to cope with this is to just choose two options randomly. I know that I'm a vegetarian, so there's no need for me to look at every single option. <laughs> Sometimes I'm like even, okay, this isn't vegetarian, but if I mix this and this, oh my God, I get so in my head. So First of all, to stop that like whole overthinking pattern, just choose two options and let the universe decide for you. So something that you can do is either you flip a coin or you can like look at the time and if it's an odd number, then it's this decision or like stuff like that. So yeah, that's a smart thing that you can do. It's a way of like externalizing decisions and getting out of your head and just kind of like releasing the mental pressure and mental energy. Yeah, asking the universe for those decisions that doesn't really matter if you choose option one or option two. Like it's almost the same. Like they're not really important decisions. So just flip a coin on it and get it over with. (laughs) Yeah. And that is all that we have for today's episode. Hopefully you guys got some value from this episode and now you have some strategies for making decisions faster, more efficiently, more automated, and overall just smarter decision-making skills. Let us know what you thought about this episode. We would love to know and love to get your feedback. Yeah, you can send us a DM over at our new Instagram account at creativishpod. You can send us a DM and let us know what we you think We also have a new TikTok account. It's creative-ish, creative.ish. Yeah. And yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. If you're feeling nice, you can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Spotify. Um, Leave us a rating. And if you're listening to the audio version of this, remember that we're also on YouTube so you can watch the video version. And yeah, thank you guys so much for listening. We'll see you in the next one. Bye. Bye.